If you know that blood has touched your heart, would you give Jesus a hand clap and a praise and just tell him, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for that cleansing blood. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to thy name. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you've done for us. We rejoice in the cleansing power of your blood. And we thank you that that blood availed for each one of us to cleanse us and transform us, to free us from sin's hold and sin's penalty, and to make us new creatures born from above, sons and daughters of the living God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the cross of Calvary, and we thank you for the power of your blood. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. Without the shedding of blood, there is no, no remission of sin. Praise the Lord. Good morning. So good to see everybody out. Um, the children are dismissed to Children's Church. They can, Sister Amy, go on that way. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's see. Right after the sermon, we're going to take communion. Does everybody have a communion for, for after the service? If you don't, wave your hand, and we'll make sure an usher or a greeter or someone gets to you. Everyone good? Everyone's all right? All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good to us? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, don't forget now, let's see, next month, that first week in April, we're going to have a water baptism. So if we can help you obey the Lord and be baptized in water, there's some forms on the back desk and help yourself and turn them in so we can celebrate with you. And For the rest of us, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Mark's Gospel. Chapter number one, Mark's Gospel, chapter number one. I'm going to read from the New King James this morning. And the Bible says in verse 40, Mark's Gospel, chapter one, verse 40, Now a leper came to Jesus, imploring or begging him, kneeling down before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus moved and filled with compassion. He stretched and he reached out his hand. And he touched him. And he said, I am willing. Be clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him. And he was cleansed. Amen. You can turn me down a little bit. I don't like to hear myself. I got gears that I can knock it up if I have to, so I don't want to. I want to talk this morning about the Lord and the leper. The Lord and the leper. In fact, this is, I think, a very appropriate text for Communion Sunday. For it's much more than just a powerful physical miracle. It's also a moving picture of God's saving power of our salvation. In this story, we can really see the whole gospel in a nutshell. In this story, we get to see that wonderful and exciting, the principle of exchange. 
is so clearly seen. Jesus is taking and touching the leper's defilement and he's imparting the purity and the cleansing power of the gospel. You and I that are saved this morning, you and I that love the Lord and know the Lord and stand here as believers, we do so only because on the cross of Calvary, Jesus took our sins and gave us his salvation. He took our defilement and he imparted his purity. He took our punishment and he gave us his life. He took our sickness and gave us his health. He was forsaken on Calvary. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was forsaken that you and I would never ever be separated from the love and the grace and the mercy of God. He was rejected that you and I would forever be accepted. He endured death that you and I might never die. And then he said, because I live, you shall live also. Friend, it's a great salvation. Oh, let God be glorified there has been an exchange. I don't know about you, but I'm not what I used to be since Jesus. Amen? My sins and my sorrows for his salvation. What a glorious thought. The prophet Isaiah put it like this. Most are familiar. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. This story reveals the heart of the gospel. In this encounter between the Lord and the leper, we see the beautiful picture of the great love of God. We see how Jesus loves the unlovely. He touches the untouchable. He destroys the terrible defilement of sin. We see in this picture a great expression of the love of God. For God so loved the entire world, the good, the bad, that this God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever would believe, whosoever, like this leper, would draw near and reach out. You don't have to perish, but you can have eternal and you can have abundant life. This story shows us the great love of God. This story also shows us the fact that God is willing to save. Some of the most beautiful words that heaven ever spoke to mankind, I am willing I'm so glad he didn't shut the door and say, forget about it. I'm so glad he didn't say unworthy, don't want anything. I'm so glad that even when we came and some of us were as messed up as this leper, he didn't slam the door on us. He didn't ignore us. He didn't say, I don't have time for you. But heaven said to you and I this morning, I am willing, I am willing, be thou clean. I'm so glad in God today. He's not willing that any perish, but he's willing that all would come. And receive Christ in turn. Heaven says, I'm willing. I'm willing to turn your life around if you'll give it to me. I'm willing to forgive and restore and to carry that load. I'm willing to comfort your hurt. I'm willing to cleanse the transgression. I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ makes us clean. Just come like this leper. Give me your life, the Lord says to us. Don't delay. Don't put it off. For I am willing to take and receive and transform all that will come to me. That's why Jesus said, come unto me all that are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Do you need rest in your soul? Do you need rest in your troubles? Jesus says, come to me and receive that rest. This is a beautiful story. It shows us the great love of God. Lepers were despised. Lepers were rejected. Lepers were avoided. But here we see God's love going out to whosoever will. It also shows us the willingness of God 
For he said, I am willing. And wherever you are and whatever you're facing today, whatever you've done, God says, I'm willing to receive you if you'll come to me. It doesn't matter how many times you've tried and failed. God says, if you'll come, I'll receive you. I'm willing to forgive. I'm willing to use your life. I'm willing to heal your hurt. I'm willing to reach down and mend the broken air of your life and make you a new creature in my son. It's a beautiful picture. Not only of God's love and God's willingness, but of God's power to save. You see, leprosy was incurable. This tells us to bring the worst. There's hope in Jesus Christ. Bring the most messed up. In Jesus Christ, you can be transformed. In Jesus Christ, you can be set free. There's no hold on hell that he cannot break. There's no sin that he cannot wash away and make you whiter than snow. This speaks of the power of God to save. Hebrews, that seventh chapter, talks about how God is able to save to the uttermost those that will come to him. The most damaged, the most sin-stained lives. He is able. For the God we praise and the God we sing about, friend, he's mighty to save. So don't give up on that loved one. Jesus is mighty to save. Don't give up on that one you're praying for and you're witnessing to. Jesus Christ, he's mighty to save. The Bible says, whosoever will. There's no sin so bad. There's no life so gone. That's what Paul was able to write to us in Romans and saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And we should never ever be ashamed of the gospel. We should be bold in the gospel because the Bible says in the gospel is the power of God to save anyone that will come to him. There's power to transform every life and heal every hurt and cleanse every transgression. What a God we serve. It's a beautiful picture here, the Lord and the leper. The love of God and the willingness of God and the power of God. And it's a beautiful thought that God will do it now. I love that word in verse 42. Immediately, you know, the Bible says that now is the accepted time and today is the day of salvation. You don't have to wait. You can get right with God today. You don't have to put it off one more moment. You can come and receive the forgiveness of God today. You can make things right and get a brand new start today. God's a God of today. The Lord and the leper. A good message for Communion Sunday. On a Sunday when we will partake of the body and the blood of Jesus. And we will remember, think back to that great sacrifice and the substitutionary death of Christ for you and for me. When we proclaim his victory and we proclaim his return. When we rejoice and give thanks For all that he did, for he did it for us. He says, do this unto you. I've done this for you. I give my body and I shed my blood. We thank God this morning. Let's look at the leper and look at the story inside the story. The leper, notice number one, his condition. Because it's the exact condition of every person outside of Jesus Christ. His condition, number one, our condition, just like this leper. Number one, he had a condition that could not be helped. You know, that condition of leprosy couldn't be cured. Just like today, there is no cure outside Jesus Christ for the sinful condition of men. Again, he couldn't be helped. He couldn't be cured. Leprosy is a picture of sin. There's no answer outside Jesus for sin. We have a condition that cannot be helped only in Jesus Christ. And his sacrifice on the cross can men be delivered from this condition. 
He is the only way. He is the only name where any person can know that they're saved, can be made right with the living God, and can have heaven as their home. The leper had a condition that couldn't be helped. He had a condition that couldn't be hidden. They would try to cover it up, but sooner or later, because it spread, you couldn't cover it forever. And you know, leprosy spread. It was a destroyer that just couldn't be kept. And our sin can't be hidden and cannot be covered up forever. It can't be hidden. It must be cleansed. It cannot be ignored. It must be cleansed. It cannot be re, 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 um, um, reevaluated. It cannot be um, denied. It must be cleansed. It can't be hidden for God sees the heart. It cannot be denied because God knows our thoughts. There's no secret places. That's why the Bible tells us clearly that without the shedding of blood, no one, can be forgiven. There is no forgiveness outside that blood. We all need the cleansing power of the blood. How we love to sing that grand old hymn. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that made us whiter than snow. No other fount, no other source that we know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. And I want you to know the power of that blood is still flowing. The power of that blood is still working. And today, if you'll call on him, that blood will work in your life. That blood will make you wider than snow. The guilt and the shame will be gone and God will throw it as far as east is from the west. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. You know, leprosy couldn't be hidden and it couldn't be helped. Leprosy brought shame. They had to keep their hair unkept and cover the lower part of their mouth and whenever they came near anyone they had to yell unclean unclean because it was contagious and that way no one would accidentally get near them it brought shame you know sin brings shame sin's nothing to be proud about we live in a world that mocks at sin likes to redefine sin likes to justify sin but the bible is clear that the wages of sin it brings death or brings sorrow it defiles the purity that God desires of his creation. It, it deceives men because it always takes you farther than you wanted to go and it'll cost you more than you thought you had to pay. It, it disillusions because its pleasure is very passing. It's there for a season, but then it'll let you down every time. How do we say it? There's a high cost for low living. Sin disorients. Sin causes us to do foolish things, regretful things. It knocks a life off course. People wake up and say, how did I get here? Typically, but you neglected God. You left God. You disregarded the word of God somewhere along the line. You didn't get there by accident. Sin leads to a destination that you were not made for. It sabotages the good, perfect will that God desires for you. God has something better for you. If you're here today and you're not saved, if you're here today and you've drifted off the path, listen, God has something better for you. Sin gives you a false positive. Sin gives you this false feeling that you're in control and that you've thrown off all those things that were weighing you down. But sin is a deceiver. Sin is deceiving you. You'll wake up one day and say, what happened? What happened? What happened? Because God has something better for you. Because God is a good God. 
In fact, the prophet said it like this, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. They're good plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. God says, I've got something good for you. Come to me and serve me and let your intended destiny come to that fulfillment in the glory, for the glory of God. You know, this leper had a disease that couldn't be helped. It couldn't be hidden. We can try to hide things, but God sees all things. It brought shame because sin, as much as they make fun of it and they applaud it, and the world defends it before the courts of God, the truth is seen that it just defiles and it just destroys and it just disorients. But it also brings a separation because of their contagious disease. The lepers had to live outside the camp or the city. They were put out and they were rejected. They lived in their own little colonies away from others. And the Bible teaches us that sin separates a man or a woman from God. Sin separates us from the plan of God and the peace of God and the salvation of God. It separates us from that beautiful purpose that God has, from the meaning that God desires us to enjoy, from the destiny that God has ordained for our lives. In fact, everything gets marred when we disregard our Creator and our Redeemer. This friend, you were made by God and you were made for God. You were made by the living God to walk with him and that he by his Holy Spirit could fill your life and use your life and bring your life into that good and perfect will that he has and he is a good God. The leper's condition, the leper's description is a description of lost sinful humanity. For the Bible is very clear that we've all sinned. We've all come short of God's glory. That everyone that's ever been born of a woman has been contaminated by sin and unable to cleanse ourselves. And God is unbending when it comes to sin. Unbending. The world tries to think it's okay, but God, that's why he sent his son. That's why Jesus paid such that horrible price. Because God is serious about sin. It reminds you of the old story of that football team. They were getting a mascot, and they decided to get a goat. Problem was, where are you going to put the goat? So two guys said they could stay in our dorm room. How about that? Amen. Stay in our dorm room. Well, the dean got wind of that, and he found these two guys. I hear you, you're going to keep the, the goat in your room. Yeah, that's what we plan on doing. The dean says, well, what about the smell? And the guy says, the goat won't mind. <laughs> the goat won't mind. The goat won't mind. I got news for you. God minds. Oh, somebody say, tell your neighbor, God minds, God minds, God minds, God minds, God minds. Oh, yeah, God minds, God minds. Oh, yeah, he does. Leper knew his condition. Your first step to heaven is understanding and believing your condition. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I can't save myself. And Jesus is the only way. The condition. He acknowledged it. And that's what we have to do. But now, not only his condition, I want you to see in the leper his confidence. It's a beautiful thing. In in verse 40, he says, you can. Now, I want you to give special attention to that pronoun. I do know what a pronoun is. Sometimes I do. Sometimes they they fool me. But anyway, um, I want you to see that pronoun, you, you, you. If you are willing, you can make me clean. He didn't say that to the priest or the teachers of the law. 
He didn't say that to the religious leaders or the physicians of his time, because they couldn't. There's no one else that can. And he says these beautiful words. Look at that verse 40. If you are willing, Jesus, you can. I'll tell you, he can make you clean. He can make you brand new. And this is the kind of confidence that we need this very hour, whether you're saved or unsaved, we need this confidence. If, for instance, the unbeliever, the person that's left the Lord, the person that hasn't given their heart to Christ, must have this type of confidence or they'll never get saved. Because the Bible clearly teaches us that salvation and the forgiveness of sins is found only in Jesus Christ and only by putting one's faith in Christ and Him crucified in Jesus and what He did on the cross for you and I. Remember this, a religious system alone cannot save you. Only Jesus saves. A personal sense of morality, thinking you're not as bad as the next guy, that cannot save you. Only Jesus saves. In fact, the denial of our condition, the world likes to deny their condition. Live like the devil and try to justify sinful, but that won't. Take it away. You, you can deny Australia all you want. It's still there and it's all right. You can, someone thinks because if I deny something that makes it so. Well, no, it don't. No, 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 no. But, but the Bible is clear that if someone wants to make heaven their home and have the forgiveness of sins and get right with God, they have to have a confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ and put in faith in what he did at the cross of Calvary. Many, many scriptures for this. Let me just look at one with you. Galatians 2 and 16, because this is one that we should really put in our hearts, and it says it well. <clears throat> know that a person is not, know that a man or a woman is not justified, made just, made right before God by the works of the law, by keeping the rules, by meriting it, by earning it. But then how are we justified? How is a poor, pathetic human being like you and I How do we get made right between an almighty God? Here it is. But by faith in Jesus Christ. It's not by keeping the law or keeping the rules or somehow marrying it. I can't hold anything over God. It's all amazing grace. That's the only way we get in. Amen? Mercy and grace. But how do I get? By putting my faith, confidence in Jesus Christ. So we too... We that are saved, we're saved today. Why? Because we have put our faith in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified. We're just before God. We're right before God this morning. Not because we've earned it, not because we've somehow achieved it, but because we put our faith in Jesus and how he died for us on Calvary. So again, here it is. And that we may be justified by faith in Christ. See the repetition? And not by the work, not by earning it, but by believing God and accepting Christ. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So we understand that this leper had confidence. He said, Jesus, if you are willing, you can. I don't put my faith in anyone else. But I put my faith completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that on the cross of Calvary, he did not die for himself. He didn't need to die for himself. He never sinned. But on that cross, he became my substitute. He died in my place. And he did for me what I could never do for myself. He paid the price for my sin. 
And now by giving him my life and putting my faith in him, he, like that leper, he, he'll take my condemnation and he'll take my shame and he'll take my sinfulness and he takes the penalty I deserve and he gives me his purity and his righteousness and his cleansing and his peace. Oh, the leper had a condition, but the leper had a confidence. He had confidence in Jesus Christ. And if we're going to get saved, that's where our confidence has to be. But you know, if I can expand this thought just a bit for just believers, because I know majority here today are believers, if we're going to live this life as more than conquerors, if we're going to live this Christian life and fulfill our calling God and go from faith to faith and glory to glory, we also must be men and women of confidence. That is a firm, unwavering confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ and in His Word. That we have a confidence in the person of Christ and in the promises of Christ and in the principles of Christ. The believer, if we're going to finish our race and accomplish our task, let us be men and women of of confidence. It demands confidence in Christ to endure the things that would try to keep us back. It takes a real confidence in Christ to overcome the things that would try to keep us from doing the will of God and carrying out the plan and the will of God for our lives. Confidence is Paul in that Roman prison. Knowing he's just days or weeks from losing his life, being a martyr for the cause of Christ. He's facing certain death, yet he's unwilling to fear. He's unwilling to flinch. He's unwilling to be ashamed of any of it. Instead, with confidence, he says, I'm not ashamed for I know in whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded, I'm convinced, I'm confident that this God will bring me through. I have an uncertain future, but I have a very certain faith in the living God who will not fail me nor forsake me. And if we live this life, we're going to face things that try to discourage us and try to knock us off and lose our hope and lose our victory. In those hours, we must remember we are a confident people, not in ourselves, not in our strength, but we are confident in a faithful Savior, in a wonderful shepherd, in a heavenly Father that said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you and I'll give you the grace you need to face what you gotta face and do what you gotta do and overcome every step of the way somebody say amen oh hallelujah we are a confident people we are a persuaded people he that began this good work in me he'll complete that work I didn't save myself and I can't keep myself but the same confidence that got me into salvation that same confidence keeps me growing and advancing and maturing in this salvation and it's not a confidence in myself or in my wits or my own ability it's a confidence in the grace of God through Jesus Christ it's a confidence confidence that I have a good shepherd and a loving Savior and a heavenly Father that watches over our lives 24-7. He'll hold us in the palm of His hand. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. And He says to you and I, no weapon formed against you will prosper. There is nothing the enemy can throw against you that His grace will not be sufficient for you to endure it, to meet it, greet it, and defeat it. Ah. Hallelujah. Confidence. It's that great confidence we saw Caleb and Joshua when they had to stand apart and stand alone. When the rest of the nation wanted to go back. You know, not everybody wants to go forward in God. Some people serve God 24 years and then they just decide to coast. Well, let them coast. 
But let's go forward in God, somebody. Amen. Oh, yeah, they had a group. They said, no, no, no. The giants are too big. They're not bigger than God. The enemy is too, 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 too terrible. Not more terrible than God. The nation wanted to go back. Let's go back. It was easy back there. But two men said, no, no, no. If God said we can go forward, we're going forward. If God said we can possess the land, then we choose to possess the land. Because we have a faith that our God is able. He's able. He's able. He is able. Somebody tell your neighbor, God is able. Oh, yeah. Don't have to act like the world. Our God is able. Don't have to lose our song in the night. Our God is able. Don't have to be up, down, all around like a yo-yo. No, no, no. Our God is able. We can walk consistently and accurately. Somebody say amen. Amen. The author of Hebrews exhorts us and encourages us as children of God that we're going to finish this race. We do it by being men and women of confidence in the Lord Jesus. Confidence. In the promises of God's word, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 35, says, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. I like that. God is a rewarder of confidence. Isn't that beautiful? Confidence honors God. Confidence pleases God. Confidence in God glorifies him. The Bible says, don't throw away your confidence. I mean, you can throw away that old tractor you haven't driven in 20 years. Get that junk out of the yard. Amen. You, you can throw away a lot of stuff. Amen. But don't throw away your confidence. I mean, you can cut off that, that, that relationship that's not healthy. Don't throw away your confidence. You can stop watching that show that's not helping you. Just, just, just garbage. But don't throw away your confidence. Ooh. See how we snuck that in there? All right. That's all right. You know, every now and again, oh, I'm off the notes. So that don't count on the clock. I'm tempted. Sometimes it's good to take an assessment like we do of our house. Take an assessment of our lives. Where I'm from, they got what they call spring cleaning. After that long winter, and you accumulate, accumulate, bibida bibida, and you 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 accomplish, and then you clutter. And spring cleaning, it's time to let's get rid of stuff we don't really need. Let's go through some of this stuff that's just keeping a mess. Its usefulness is long gone. In fact, it's doing more harm than good. Let's throw it away. It's time to examine. And clean out. And sometimes it's wise that we do that in our let a man, it is communion Sunday, isn't it? Let a man examine who? Examine yourself. Not for me to examine, you examine. You and God examine you. If you can be honest enough to do it. It takes an honesty to do it. Let a man examine himself. No excuses. Just you and God. If you can be honest, examine ourselves. Let's do some spring cleaning. There might be some relationships. It's just as well that they go. There might be some hobbies that, you know what? There might be some things that you've put in that attic that you need to dust off, shine up, and start using. 
God never said put it in the attic. Get back with the program. Start giving God your all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. This leper had a confidence that Jesus could do what no one else could do. We have a confidence. Now notice here that when you and I live for the Lord, author of Hebrews says, now, now don't throw away the confidence. It'll be richly rewarded. So when we pray, do it with confidence. Come boldly before God's throne and believe God. Well, when you serve God, do it with confidence. Throw up your gift and do it with gusto, expecting God to use your efforts and anoint and bless your efforts. When you fight this good fight of faith, hey, listen, do it with confidence. Put on the whole armor of God. Understand and believe the battle is the Lord's battle and you're his child and his spirit is upon you. And do it with an expectation that you're going to prevail and you're going to overcome. So we talk about the leper. The leper noted his condition. Let's note his confidence. Now very quickly, notice something here. He almost misses it because there was a hesitation in this leper. He used that word if. If you are willing. If. He hesitated, but you and I that have the Bible, you and I that know the Lord, we can be certain. We don't have to hesitate. He hesitated because he did not know. But you and I that have the promise of God, the invitation of God, the revelation of God, He had great confidence in God's power, but now he had a great question about God's willingness. And it caused him to kind of waver and hold back. It held him back for a bit. And we apply that to our lives. If there's anything holding us back, um, we can throw it aside. If there's something holding us back, for instance, some people are held back with feelings of unworthiness. I've witnessed the people through the years, and some of them so messed up that God would God accept me? Would God take me? And there's that if, there's that wonder in their heart. But if that's you, you shouldn't because he died for you. He loved you with an everlasting love. He's willing to receive you. You know, some people that um, want to go forward in the Lord, they, they, they think, well, maybe God will save me, but will ever God use me? He'll use you. His blood was shed for you. He paid the price for you. He wiped the slate clean for you. You're now one of his. And you can walk with an expectation that God is willing and God is good. Some people are held back, though. There's a questioning. They know God is good and they know God is great, but somehow they let the enemy come in and kind of give them a condemnation or give them an unsuring thing. Maybe they've missed it in times past and they fear that fear of failure or that fear of rejection, but you don't have to. You don't have to. Listen, he doesn't reject his own. He knows those that are his. He's committed to his people. And if you're here today and you say, I'd like to serve him, but I don't know if I can listen. If you'll come to him, he'll give you the grace to live for him. He'll give you that grace. The leper was, he said, if he was wavering. And sometimes people waver. Sometimes people waver from getting saved. I'm so messed up. God wouldn't take me. Oh, yeah, you want to bet? I've been such a mess with God. Oh, he'll, he'll, he'll wear you out if you let him. I've done some horrible things. Oh, yeah, you ever hear about Paul? St. Paul? Yeah, St. Paul. You know what he did? No, you're kidding. St. Paul? Yeah, St. Paul. You know, you witness a lot of these people from religion that don't know a lot about the Bible. And you begin to explain to them. Remember what Moses did? Remember? Really? So, yeah, God's full of mercy. 
He'll use you. He'll accept you. He don't take away the if. The Bible has clearly revealed the heart and the will of God to man. Hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. And sometimes people, they, they get discouraged because they've tried and they failed. And now the enemy just has them in a place where they never want to try again. But listen, don't ever forget, your failure doesn't have to be final. He is a God of a second chance. And the greatest failure is not trying again. So rise up and press forward. If you've fallen, it's time to get up again. If somehow you've drifted, it's time to return and get back in the race. The leper and then the Lord. Take a close look at Jesus and notice three quick things. I want you to notice, number one, his compassion. Number two, his touch. And number three, his word. Oh, man. You know, the leper broke the law by approaching Jesus. I'm sure many just came back. Others might have been ready to pick up stones. The leper broke the law. He came too close, but Jesus wasn't offended. Oh, Jesus is so wonderful. He's so full of mercy. He's so full of compassion and love for humanity. He was moved. He wasn't repulsed. He was moved. His heart went out to him. And the Bible tells us here it so beautifully. But Jesus moved with compassion, filled with compassion. Others were insulted. Others were enraged. How dare this leper get near us? He's contagious. He's unworthy. Throw something at him. Stone him. But not Jesus. How a response Jesus has, huh? Filled with compassion. I want you to know Jesus Christ is still filled with compassion to your life, to your neighbor's life. The people we see that are so messed up, but the heart of God still goes out to them. He died for them. He died for them. His compassion is divine and it's current. It's a right now compassion. And it's a life-changing compassion. We look at the life of Jesus and we study those gospels. We see his life pictured compassion. And that compassion always moved him to divine action. Whether it was the lost crowds or the grieving widows. Cities that were in darkness. Lives that were broken. In the same way Jesus was moved towards this leper. Friend, he's moved towards you and I. His heart is concerned. How many times, I don't know if you ever you do witnessing, and sometimes people say, does God really care about me? And you say, oh, does God care? He greatly cares about you. And you witness the people out there, they're, they're, they're whacked, man. They're out there on the drugs and they're out there. And does God even know I exist? Yes. And he loves you so much. And he's got a better plan for your life. That's the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ here. You see, Jesus is concerned. He's concerned about your salvation. That's why he came and shed that blood. That you and I can be made right with God. We can be forgiven and set free from the past. He's also, he's, he's concerned about our sanctification, just our growth. He wants those that have come to him to grow and walk with him. He doesn't want us just merely to say a prayer and then go about our own way. He wants us to live for him. He, he wants us to grow and get to know him better and walk close with him. He cares about our salvation, our sanctification, and he cares about our service. He wants to use our lives. If you can hear me, God wants to use your life. God wants to see your life being fruitful and effective in the earth. 
He's got a plan for your life. He's got divine equipping for your life. And if you'll let him, he has a very strategic way. He wants to lead and guide and govern your life so that your life can be used for the glory of God. Oh, what a privilege. He'll use our lives. What an honor. What an honor. His compassion. His heart went out to him. The things that repulse men move the compassionate heart of God. And now notice the expression of that compassion. There's something interesting here. You know, Jesus just could have spoke a word and healed him. Didn't have to touch him. Who'd want to touch him? That's a leprosy. I mean, he spoke and the worlds came into order. He didn't have to touch him. How many know that? Jesus could have just spoke. Be healed. That leprosy flick. The touch. Again, he's trying to express and really emphasize the willingness of God to touch our lives, to minister to our lives. You see, he's not just a philosophy. Let me give you some five philosophical points. He's a true and living God that wants to come into our lives and make himself known to our lives and work his good work in our lives. That's his touch, his touch. Jesus wants to touch your life. The touch of God is a precious thing. It's a compassionate touch, but it's also a powerful touch. It's a touch that ministers the the cleansing, the mending, the transforming power of God's Spirit. Oh, man. I've seen so many people that finally got sick and tired of being sick and tired and called out on Jesus. And when they came, everything was changed. Jesus touched them. They didn't walk away with philosophy. They walked away with the encounter with the living God. Amen. He touched them. Their heart was changed. Their mind was changed. Oh, my. And he's still touching lives today. He's still willing to touch your life. Think about it. This man hadn't felt a loving touch in years. The hug of a child or the embrace of a wife. Yeah, Jesus lays his pure, sinless hand upon that foul disease. You see, God doesn't just weep from afar, but he comes near. He cares about you. He cares about the things you're crying about and fussing about when you're in your room at night. The things you don't think you can talk to anybody about, Jesus cares. The things that you just seem like I'm stuck and I don't know what Jesus cares. The pain that sometimes we hide, but sometimes it's too embarrassing even to share it. Jesus cares. His heart goes out. Not in a judgmentalism, not not in a told you so, not in a condemning measure, but in a loving, compassionate heart of God. But beyond just his feeling of compassion, he desires to touch your life. And by his word and by his Holy Spirit, minister to your life. He's able to heal wounded hearts. You see, on the cross of Calvary, Jesus died for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him. Every brokenness, every abuse, every abandonment, every kind of sin and the punishment of that was laid upon Christ. And through the cross of Calvary, there's healing for you and there's healing for me. We see the Lord's compassion, the Lord's touch, and now we hear his word. Are there any more precious words? I am willing. Be thou clean. Friend, he's got a word for his people. 
He's got a word for you. It's a good word. It's an uplifting word. It's an in-season word. It's a word that speaks of his forgiveness and his acceptance. It's a word that brings his assurance and his comfort and his peace to our hearts. And you know, the communion elements speak these words to us. The communion elements remind us of God's great compassion, of God's powerful touch. The Bible talks about the cross as being the power of God into salvation. To those that don't believe it, it's foolishness. But to us who have believed, it's the power of God. That touch of God is the power of God to change your heart and make a man brand new. And of course, communion speaks to us. What does it say? Well, Frank Calvary says, I am willing, be thou clean. Aren't we a blessed people? (laughs) Calvary. That's why we sing about the blood. That's why we rejoice in the victory of the cross. Because Calvary says, I am willing, be thou clean. And when our faith goes out to that cross, to the death, and sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ, when our faith goes out to that cross, then the touch or the power of that cross goes out into our lives. And there's forgiveness. And there's a new creation. And there's a deposit of divine life. Let's remember and give thanks this morning for Calvary. For all on that cross, Jesus died for us. Jesus shed his blood for us. And as we put our faith in him, we receive the victory of all that he achieved. Let's receive the great comfort and the great assurance that communion brings us. Everybody got there? Well, let's go ahead and get our elements. Let's get our elements. If you're here this morning, and you haven't received Christ, or maybe you've drifted, right where you're at, say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm going to put my faith 